high high altitude balloon technology, very you know 21st century balloon technology, and so we float on top of the atmosphere. So we're floating at roughly uh, 20 miles above the surface of the Earth. Uh, you know, imagine an ice cube floating on water. That's you know in in very crude terms how how it works. Welcome to the Space Angels podcast, episode eight, view from the stratosphere. I'm your host, Chad Anderson, CEO of Space Angels, the world's leading source of capital for early stage space ventures. The purpose of this podcast is to provide investors with the context and information necessary to understand the real risks and opportunities in this dynamic new entrepreneurial space age. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Worldview CEO, Jane Pointer. Worldview is pioneering a new frontier at the edge of space and leading the way in an emerging stratospheric economy. It's an active, full-service commercial launch provider whose disruptive Stratolite flight platform enables previously unthinkable applications at a fraction of the cost of existing technology. Stratolites serve a variety of mission functions and serve a broad range of critical commercial needs and applications. Jane, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Well, hi, Chad. Uh, Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. You are a very interesting individual with uh, a very unique background. And I would like to start, if it's all right, by giving our audience some insight into what you were doing before Worldview. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to travel a fairly unusual path. So I have been involved in what might call commercial space for nearly 30 years. And I was originally uh, involved, I started out my career really with Biosphere 2, where eight of us were sealed inside a virtual version of our planetary biosphere. And it was a prototype space base that we built right here in Tucson. Eight of us lived inside it. It was materially enclosed. You know, we grew all our food, we recycled all our water, all our air and all of that. And we lived in it for two years. So I was on the design team and on the first crew. It was an incredibly exciting thing to do. I mean, it's just this huge idea that we were gonna take this planetary biosphere and shrink it down into something the size of three acres. And the audacity of the idea was, was completely crazy, but it actually was technically incredibly well executed. It was a really serious, uh, a bit crazy endeavor. Like you said, it was trying to simulate an artificial Martian environment, right? And you locked yourselves in there for two years and there were life and death moments. It was a pretty serious endeavor, right? So it was a little nuts, wasn't it? So I suppose it depends your definition of nuts, Chad, but it was certainly audacious. It was massively ahead of its time. <laughs> Even today, it's still ahead of its time. But, you know, at the time, as a, as a nation, America was heading to Mars, you know, in a, in a very real way. And so the project was going to be a part of that. From there, I co-founded a company called Paragon Space Development Corporation with one of the other biospherians, Tabor McCallum. And that company has been very involved and still is very involved in human spaceflight and space tech of all kinds, designing all kinds of hardware solutions, very difficult problems for NASA, for our defense community, for some of our commercial space community. So if that company has hardware heading off to ISS soon, it's at hardware on just about every single manned spacecraft that has gone up or is going to go up. And has also had hardware under the sea with very specialized diving equipment and things like that. And we actually spun Worldview out of Paragon. So now you are the founder and CEO of Worldview, which your website says is pioneering a new frontier at the edge of space and leading the way in the emerging stratospheric economy. 
So what is the stratospheric economy and what is a stratolite? Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about the stratosphere economy first. So, you know, when we think about all of the business that is transacted above the surface of the planet, you know, there's trillions of dollars transacted in the troposphere. That's the atmosphere where we all breathe and where airplanes generally fly. And then, you know, there's 300 billion plus growing very rapidly in low Earth orbit and beyond. And in between, there is uh, an area called the stratosphere that some have called the ignorosphere because it is now a green field of opportunity because nobody has really taken advantage of this area at all. It's very difficult to operate there. And so we're now really developing this new industry, if you will, economy, if you like. And it's a very rare opportunity that you get to march in and be a leader in something as new as this. And we're talking about a huge area, right? It's difficult to demonstrate on on a podcast with no visuals, but the stratosphere is a huge area between troposphere and space. Yeah, so think about the stratosphere starting at roughly 50 to 60,000 feet and it goes up to let's say 15 miles to not quite 100 miles, but practically speaking, the areas of the stratosphere that we use are really the lower stratosphere. Um so it's where the atmosphere Uh, gets thinner and thinner logarithmically at those altitudes and uh, so we use high high altitude balloon technology very you know 21st century balloon technology and so we float on top of the atmosphere so we're floating at roughly uh, 20 miles above the surface of the earth uh, you know imagine an ice cube floating on water that's you know in in very crude terms how how it works right so we're floating up there at roughly 20 miles and we can go up we can go down so we've got this whole 360 degree mobility the way the stratolite operates is that it can stay over an area that we want it to stay so we use altitude control to go up and down and uh use the winds that are going in all different directions uh, in the stratosphere the stratosphere is called that because the with the uh air the atmosphere is stratified uh and so we're up in this rarefied atmosphere using these winds going in different directions to either stay in an area of interest or go somewhere very quickly so it it affords us incredible flexibility we can stay over somewhere for extended periods of time you know we're talking months and it's really a a brand new capability Uh ballooning has a storied history, been using them for decades. How have balloons been used in the past and how is what you're doing different? Yeah, so it, it, what's really fun when we think about balloons is you know, they really the very first way that humanity left the ground. It was our first flying vehicle. And so here we are now in the 21st century. They've been used early on as a way to really understand how to operate in space. A uh, number of people went up in capsules underneath balloons to test out life support equipment, you know, in those very early days, people didn't really even understand that as they went up in altitude, the oxygen went down to the degree that it did. So they even learned, you know, fundamental things about our atmosphere. We learned about the bends and how to combat them. They've been used for surveillance. Um but 
you know, NASA has developed uh, systems that have been able to stay up for very long periods of time, like a year plus is the record, but without any ability to stay in one location. They couldn't navigate at all. They were flying, all of these systems in the past were flying really at the mercy of the winds. Wherever the winds were going, that's where you were going. That's really the major innovation of today, uh, of what we've done. And that's the ability to not be at the mercy of the winds and to direct your balloons where you want them to go. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, so, so we, we, do, we do go with the wind. Uh, so in that sense, we're still using the winds and the directionality of the winds. However, because the winds are going in different directions at different altitudes, we can go up to get into a wind stream uh, going in one direction, then we can go down, get into a wind stream going in the other direction. So if you want to stay over a location, you go up and down. It's almost like going up and down a barber pole. Think of it like that. You're going up and down very slowly, circulating over this area, going up and down slowly, getting into the different wind streams that allows you to stay over a particular location. That That's the innovation and how how we do that. Uh, that's one of the innovations with the, with the Stratolite. Great visual with the barber pole. And so in 2014, you helped Alan Eustace, a Google executive, fly further above the surface of the Earth than any human not aided by a rocket. And there is a wonderful film about this called 14 Minutes from Earth that everyone should watch. Can you tell us um, you know, about your involvement in Stratex and how that fit into the formation of the company? Yeah, for sure. So technically we did Stratex with Paragon, uh, but the core team that did Stratex was the core technical team of Worldview. It was incredible for the team to do. I mean, what a great way to, to, to launch a company, uh, to have the team do something like this. You know, it taught about us about a high altitude ballooning. Um, it, it gave us a lot of technical underpinning for the company, so it was very exciting. So what we did was in three short years, we went from a drawing on a napkin to dropping Alan three times from high altitude balloons. And that sounds so simple, but it was so hard because we had to develop a whole bunch of different technologies. One of them was we had to actually build a brand new spacesuit from scratch uh, and test it and fly it. We had to go through all these different flight regimes and did that in three years. And it was the very first time that uh, a new spacesuit has been built and flown in like 30 or 40 years. So that was pretty awesome. And then we had to develop a way for him not to spin wildly out of control. Uh, You may remember that uh, Felix Baumgartner did it before him, and he didn't use anything to stop him from spinning. And the person that did before him, Joe Kittinger did. It was called a drogue chute, and it's like this little little chute that goes out that doesn't really slow you down, but it stops you from spinning wildly. But Joe, when he put his uh, drogue chute out, gets all wrapped up and almost dies. Uh, he doesn't, you know. He gets him, you know. He come, he passes out. He comes to, uh, gets himself unwrapped, and then he opens his chute and comes down safely. Um, but, you know, with all of that danger, then um, Felix Baumgartner didn't use a drogue chute and almost spun out of control. So our team had to come up with this great new way of doing it so that he wouldn't spin out of control, which they did. Uh, and we actually use that uh, today with our, with our stratolites and a whole variety of other things. So it, it was incredibly 
technically successful. Everything about it was was awesome. Um, the team learned a huge amount, and I am very glad we don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> it is it is truly wild. Um, uh, if you haven't <laughs> seen the video, I mean, I watched it. Um, I watched that movie. Uh, premiere at the Explorers Club here in New York. And I got to tell you, the whole room was packed and people were standing and clapping at the end. I mean, people were just in in awe. I mean, it's it's incredibly complicated, way more complicated than you think. And Alan Eustace was awesome to work with, I would say. He, he was just, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have done that with just anybody. You know, you, we're putting a, a company at risk having somebody like that, you know, where we're in a spacesuit, uh, taking them up to that, kind of altitude because, you know, they have to behave, they have to do things, uh, you know, and he, he wasn't a professional, but he, uh, a skydiver, he was an extremely experienced skydiver. But what's so special about Alan that he's an engineer's engineer and a very cool customer. And so, you know, when we're up there, uh, you know, he just really kept his cool and it was just amazing. It was really amazing for the team to get to know him and to work with him. It was an honor. Yeah, and it seems like, I don't want to say crash course, but when there's so much at stake, like you said, your team was very capable and, and did an excellent job and, and everything, you know, the mission was a complete success, but you learned an incredible amount in a really short period of time, it sounds like. We did. And so, you know, there are many things that apply to Worldview from that, but certainly one of them, uh, you know, from a company point of view that we learned was the power of a small team to execute on a big idea. And this was another big idea, right? Taking a guy up. So, so remember, he was not in a capsule. He was in a spacesuit hanging from a balloon, which was very counterintuitively more simple than actually having him, and safer than having him in a capsule. Our team uh, just did a, a spectacular job with that. And so we learned to take that small team and do something as complex as developing this brand new vehicle, the Stratolite, with a very small team initially. Uh, and so it was fantastic. So the, f the first company operating in the stratosphere, what is a Stratolite exactly? So a Stratolite, as the name implies, is you know, somewhat similar to a satellite in concept, except we're operating down in the stratosphere. And we are providing you know, anything that you can imagine you can do in space, we can do down in the stratosphere, but very differently. And, you know, what's really differentiated about this technology is that we can stay over an area of interest for extended periods of time using this sophisticated high altitude balloon technology. And so we can do remote sensing, we can do communications in remote locations, all kinds of weather applications, and perhaps do that all on the same stratolite at the same time because we can fly multiple instruments at the same time. So it's an incredibly diverse, uh, a versatile platform uh, that the, the team has developed. So Worldview is not developing the payloads, uh, the instruments. It is developing the balloon, and that's really your expertise. So are you a high-altitude balloon platform that other companies develop these payloads and then they put them on a standard structure that you built, or how does that work? Yeah, so our core expertise is in the stratospheric flight, and we do integrate uh, customers or third-party instruments onto our stratolite uh, to meet our customers' requirements. 
and uh, you know we can envision in the future you know all kinds of analytics being on board the stratolite as well so you can have all kinds of, of applications that we're doing on this on this stratolite you know it's it's exciting that we get to be instrument agnostic we can really fly anything so that allows us to for example do day night and all weather remote sensing. You know, we can fly a synthetic aperture radar at the same time as RGB, near IR, and IR, um, AIS if we wanted to, all on the same stratolite. So yes, there are so many instrument providers out there. And in fact, what's exciting is that we can use pretty much off-the-shelf instrumentation that's developed either for aircraft, aviation applications, or space applications. You have a little bit of thermal control um, that we need to need to work on for, for instrumentation, but otherwise you can pretty much take any instrument and fly it. We've, we've flown an off-the-shelf consumer camera and had extraordinary results. So you can really use a whole variety of instruments. And so you named a number of different acronyms earlier, but really what you were talking about is these are all the different payloads that people are putting on satellites, right? So optical sensors where you can just take images, radar so you can see through clouds and at night, all other different um, types of spectral bands, basically building out a varied data set to provide end customer solutions. So it sounds like you have the same type of, type of payloads on your stratolites as companies have on satellites that are in orbit. So what are the benefits of Stratolite versus other high-altitude platforms like satellites and UAVs? You mentioned the ability to loiter um, over an area for an extended period of time. How else are Stratolites better than the other platforms? So the loitering, I think, is, is sort of the cornerstone differentiation. Think of it as a geosynchronous satellite, except down in the stratosphere. You know, we're not whizzing overhead at 17,500 miles an hour. We're, for all intents and purposes, stationary over an area. And so that just affords huge capability that isn't currently available for all kinds of applications. Um, but, you know, then, you know, another capability is that we can fly, you know, a multiplicity of, of instruments all at the same time, which you really can't do on a CubeSat. You need sort of more like a small sat to do that. Uh, so just being at that vantage point, when you think about a UAV, a, you know, there are very few UAVs that can fly at very high altitude. And that's sort of the closest thing to what, uh, to what we are in a sense, I suppose. The ones that can carry any appreciable payload anyway, any appreciable amount of instruments. But those UAVs can't stay up for very long. They, you know, the longest uh, one really is just a few days. So the cost is massively different as well, right? So the, the cost of these high-altitude balloon platforms or stratolites are um, vastly different as well than when you think about flying, you know, constellation. To get any kind of persistence over an area, you need a constellation of satellites, not just a single satellite. And so the, the cost is just different as well. Yeah. And so when I try to think about how this would be used, the first thing that always pops into my mind is city planning, city monitoring, uh, monitoring ports, that sort of thing. You've got an area of interest, a lot of activity. Where do you think that this technology is going to have the greatest impact? Yeah. So there's all different kinds of impact, right? So <laughs> what's very exciting is, uh, and a fairly unique opportunity for us, is that we have way, way more demand than uh, we're able to handle for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, and when we start talking to customers about this, the capability is so different and unique uh, of being able to really provide persistence. You could even think of it as permanent vision, if you will, over an area. Uh, you know, that what we find is that the customers themselves, because they haven't had this capability before, you know, they start out with sort of all the normal things. And then they start, you know, coming out with all these ideas that we have never even imagined. And so I suspect, you know, that we, we haven't even thought of the ideas that are going to be the ones that are most impactful because it's just this very different way of, of operating uh, and a very different capability. You know, from a humanitarian point of view, and I'm very excited about some of the kinds of things that we can do, uh, you know, with, with weather and disaster response. Uh, you know, if you can envision having a satellite over a hurricane, for example, with the right instrumentation on it, you could vastly improve the trajectories. You know, we've already greatly improved trajectories of where hurricanes are going over the last decades. But, you know, you still have people wandering all over Florida trying to figure out how they're going to stay out of the hurricane. And we could really narrow that trajectory with these instrumentations that we could do just sticking straight over the, uh, over the hurricane. And then you can also put um, other instrumentation on it to help first responders so they have eyes in the sky and immediate communications. You could, uh, you know, there's all kinds of uh, companies that want to be able to understand what's going on, you know, with the power grid and the like in, in disasters. So, you know, dis disaster response uh, and support, I think, um, you know, from a whole variety of, of areas is going to be very exciting. Tornadoes is another one, right, where people get only just a literally a few minutes of warning right now to stay out of the way of, a, of a, a, an impending tornado. Uh, uh, whereas with the right instrumentation on a stratolite um, looking down at where the, the key indicators are uh, for, for a tornado uh, about to occur, we could extend that to hours. Um, so, you know, it's it's very exciting to think about, you know, the way that we can save lives and impact people's lives with this, uh, as well as have an incredibly thriving business. Yeah, it's incredibly important data and incredibly important work that you are doing. So founded in 2013, 2014, you've now taken on a few rounds of financing, uh, which Space Angels has participated in. Uh, the last round was a Series C led by Excel Partners. You've come a long way in these four or five years. Can you talk a little bit from the entrepreneurial perspective um, as the CEO who's founded the company and been through all this? How have things changed over that time? And how have you managed that change? And how do you think about where you are now, you know, looking forward into the future? Yeah, so, you know, if you go to a website, you're, you're going to see a whole range of things that we want to do in the stratosphere, including human flight one day in the future, right? And that was actually was the inspiration uh, of Worldview, was one day taking people to the stratosphere and, and was actually how we started the business. Uh, and frankly, we had sort of written off the idea of, of um, using balloons as in the way that we're using it now, because we assumed that if there was a market there, somebody else would be doing it. Oh boy, were we ever wrong. The moment we announced ourselves, we got an impouring of requests. Can you do this? Can you do that? And we went, huh, this is, this is extraordinary. And so we actually, um, very early on in the company, opened up the aperture of our business strategy to include doing what we now call stratolites and in fact changed strategies a little bit to where we, we flipped it. 
instead of first being uh, the space tourism company, we're first a Stratolite company because that allows us to not only get this robust business going, uh, but also, frankly, allows us to you know, really perfect our operations, our manufacturing, our flight systems with instrumentation long before we ever take people. So, you know, that that's one way in which the company has changed uh, pretty significantly and grown significantly uh, in the way we think about the industry uh, since we started, which is incredibly exciting. Jane, this has been great. Uh, before you go, we'd like to end on one last question. On the show, we like to say that there's never been a better time to get involved in space investing. Can you give us your personal perspective on that? Wow, it is unbelievable. I mean, you can probably hear the excitement in my voice. It took a long time to get here, but boy, are we here. Of course, it's all the new rocketry bringing down the price to launch. We've got all of the different satellite aspects. We've now got the stratosphere that's, that's bringing in a new aspect uh, of capability of things, that, uh, of different applications we can address from, from uh, high altitude. You know, and then, of course, you get into the analytics because that's key. You know, without the analytics, it's going to be, you know, a limited market. And the analytics are really helping bringing a whole new customer base to this. So we're also seeing, you know, the, the enterprise market really beginning to, to grow. You know, before it was very defense driven, um, you know, it was very difficult to really get huge enterprise other than in communications uh, involved. And so now we're, we're really seeing in the remote sensing area anyway, you're really beginning to see that blossom because of all of the analytics coming in. So you're just seeing this groundswell of activity that is really creating this, this robust, robust environment. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it has a huge future. It's very exciting. Perfect. Thank you. Um, always good talking to you, Jane. Thank you very much for your time today. Well, thank you, Chad. It's, uh, it's been fun. Thanks for tuning into the Space Angels podcast. As today's episode is made clear, there's never been a better time to get involved in space investing. So I want to invite you to visit our website, spaceangels.com, where you can learn all about Space Angels membership and how you can get involved in this exciting new sector.